In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. This week, Amy, probably my opening question um, has to do with emergency preparedness. Uh, And specifically, what I'm curious for you to weigh in on is Mm -hmm. um, thinking back to yourself before the age of 18. um, Okay. How capable do you think you would have been in an uh, apocalyptic scenario like do you see do you see yourself dying immediately um in the first couple weeks or that or actually like surviving great question now (laughs) um i'm not sure there would be a big distinction between 18 year old me and now me and like the likelihood (laughs) of survival I'm I'm just trying to think like I don't think I was like that much dumber (laughs) right I don't think I've gotten that much smarter like I don't I don't think I've gotten any much braver or anything so the answer is I think I would die pretty quick I'm I'm not gonna lie I always when I think of like myself in a horror movie, myself in a zombie apocalypse, in any type of emergency situation even that could happen. Like, I am not your go-to person. I don't (laughs) handle that type of stress well. If you collapse in front of me, like, probably you hope someone else is going to be there because I'll just freak out. (laughs) Like, I don't... I've never been put in that situation, really, so I'd like to think... And hope maybe I could react Rise better than I, I imagine in my head. But yeah, exactly. But I don't trust myself that I would. So yeah, I think I would die pretty soon. Like once stuff got like really fucking bleak, I would hope that I could hold on for like a week or two, like you said. Yeah, in case maybe. something stabilizes. Yeah, like I would hope that like in the initial like what the fuck, like I would. But I will say. If I was, like, straight up alone, mm. I would have problems. If I was, like, if I, I've thought about it here with, like, living where I live. <laughs> I'm, like, okay, well, I've got, like, this person would be good at that. This person would be good at that. Like, the animals are fucked, but, like, okay. And, that would be a low priority uh, issue. I mean, I feel bad about that, but kind of. I mean, anyway, I do think I would be the dead weight <laughs> of the group. And I think, like, if it got to a certain point, I wouldn't judge them for killing me. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't think 
I would do, I would last long. What about you? Yeah, I mean, similarly, like if if, if it were me now, I'd like to think that I could last a bit. Like make it through okay. the initial, let's say, purge phase of whatever it mm-hmm. is. I'd like to think I could make it through that. Um, yeah. I don't know how I think I would make it through that. I don't have any weapons. I don't have any tools. Um, and like if you in had a weapon, home. could you use it? That's yeah. also a good question. Like, I think I have, you know, like the standard, like, wrench, hammer, screwdriver <laughs> situation. And I'm like, I suppose mm-hmm. those could be useful in some sense. Um, but yes, that's You'd have always, to be pretty comfortable. I, that's oh, I close say, quarters hand to hand combat. Yes, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. That's like, uh, like I don't know how to shoot a gun, but I also would be very unequipped to like hit someone over the head with a hammer. <laughs> right, right, and to keep doing it until they left you alone, like um, really bad, like yeah. bad ass news. Like that is, I can barely watch. Like I love. As I've talked about on this show many times, I love horror movies yeah. and I love like things about killers. And but I am actually quite squeamish when it comes to like reality, really, like gore. Yeah, and like the thought of like bashing it. <laughs> I'm only laughing because it's so bad. But like a bashing a hammer over and over into somebody's skull. Are you kidding me? That no, <laughs> that's that's not going to go well for me. I mean, but survival is more than just like killing someone so you're not killed. Like. I think I could yeah. do okay with the like more <coughs> excuse me, more survivalism part of it. Mm. Like find a place that's secure, get some mm-hmm. provisions. Like if mm-hmm. it's like if you're having a hard time finding water, figure out a place to get it. Like those kinds of things I think I could do okay on. Um the violence part, I'm not so sure. And I think Yeah. As well, not only would it depend on the age that I am, um, mm-hmm. I like so I don't I don't trust under eighteen me to do all of that stuff. I trust me definitely now to do that stuff. Um, yeah, I think also like the proximity to the crisis makes a big difference. Yes, yes. Like the farther away you are from it, the like obviously per this show that we're talking about this week if, even if you were rather far away from Los Angeles County you would probably have to start doing some things um to prepare or be in the world in a certain way um yeah. but it it would be easier the farther you were from the kind of epicenter of disaster i think right well i th- yeah, because I think sort of, <laughs> not to make it about something real, but, like, the pandemic showed us that a bit, too, where the, you know, quote-unquote epicenters through most of it were big cities, which I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of apocalyptic shows and movies are similar, where, like, the big event happens in a city and right. it kind of trickles out. Um, and, you know, I do think that those small towns in this scenario are probably pretty clutch. And well, in the middle of the country, you want to also though be careful because what you don't want 
is to be in a small town where someone has like made himself king. Um, I guess. You know, like you I'm trying to, to think of like. Oh, sorry. I was just saying. I'm trying to think of like all the apocalyptic. <laughs> I've watched lots of apocalyptic shows and movies. I'm trying to think of like kind of how they all end, and I feel like there is there is like a running theme of there is some place. There is the some place, place you have to get to, and somehow we have escaped whatever, you know, violence, whatever, uh, you know, illness, whatever it is, we've escaped it here. You know, like the end yeah. of Bird Box. Spoiler alert. The end of Bird Box. Spoiler alert. The end of I Am Legend. You know, like those types oh, of... Oh, yeah. There's... The end of Shaun of the Dead. Of other ones. Like... I don't know. Um, I don't remember that one, but... It's, well, because either it's, like, we are going to this place called, like, um, Utopia Prime or whatever it's called. Yeah. And, and, and it, so either it's, like, we need to get there because the apocalypse thing that happened didn't happen there. We need to get there because it's got a good ruler who will save us all. Mm -hmm. Or like Shaun of the Dead version, which is we need to get to like the underground bunker, wait this out, and then we'll go back. Six months later, we'll go back to kind of regular life or whatever, you know? Yeah. There's always something like that where it's like, um, there's a way out. And those places are never in a city, P.S., by the way. (laughs) No. Those places are always pretty remote. Yeah. Um... Yeah, what was I just about to say? Something about... Anyway, um, I mean, I think at best what you and I can offer to a group um, of post-apocalyptic survivors is um, our good attitude. <laughs> our t- <laughs> oh, is this, is, this, is this our resume to, like, yeah. for people who are like, okay, um, let's hear it. We've got a good attitude. We're not complainers. Mm-hmm. Um, which is important in a team mm-hmm. structure. Um, mm-hmm. If we are assigned a task, we will complete it. Um, I mean, we, I can't necessarily guarantee any of this, but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we can, we're healthy. We're going to probably survive yeah. just on our own merits, perhaps longer than others. Um, okay. Yeah, I think those are our skills. That's our, it. Our offerings. <laughs> I feel like I feel like all that what that breaks down to is like we won't be uh, intrusive. <laughs> like we will just yeah, like but I, do but our what thing I and think, be quiet. Right, but what I think the problem is for you, Amy, is you're underselling the value of that in a post-apocalyptic so. team scenario. <laughs> I was going to say like one thing I was going to say one thing that we could add to our resume would be like we bring levity (laughs) yes well that's part of a good attitude yeah I guess so but I was thinking more charm (laughs) I was thinking even more like ridiculous like we could provide just like straight up comic relief which like I don't even think I'm that funny the jester in a weird post-apocalyptic court scenario yes Yes. Um, I mean, I, I could provide I the entertainment. 
I don't disagree because I also think that in a post-apocalyptic scenario, dazzling wit and levity would be very light on the ground. And so you might need I think so. someone who can do that. But anyway, hello everyone. Welcome to See You Next Week in Space. I'm Sarah Walsh and I'm here with my co-host and sister, Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell the people at home what we're talking about today? <laughs> well, we're talking about uh, a 2019 TV show that I'd never heard of before called Daybreak. And specifically, we watched the pilot episode that is called Josh versus the Apocalypse Part 1. And I don't know what this was. This is not a Netflix thing. It's on Netflix. It is a Netflix or, thing. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, and originally came out on October 24th of 2019. Yes. Um, so this show, even though <laughs> it was a little is interesting, like a year before the pandemic, basically. Indeed. Yeah. It, well, not even. I mean, well, I wait, because where are we in time? I mean, it's only actually a few months, because it, like it's October oh, yeah, twenty nineteen, right. and the world oh, yeah, fell apart right. by March of the following year. Oh yeah, year. you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. I hadn't thought about it in that context, but that is interesting as well. But I do enjoy the concept of this show, which I mean, well, obviously we'll get to, but and maybe I didn't, maybe I misunderstood it, but. The concept of the apocalypse in this show is that it's some type of disease, zombie, something, but it only affects people older than 18. Correct. Now, I have a question about that, and I don't know if they go into this. I don't know if it matters, but what happens like when you turn 19? That I don't know. I haven't watched... I did watch like a couple, maybe one or two more episodes just out of curiosity, um, and they haven't mm-hmm. quite gotten to that yet, like what happens okay. at it, like, I was just curious. once you age into it. But yeah, like that's a it's... good question. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but just so that we can like start from the baseline, the IMDb, IMDb description says, high school outcast Josh is searching for his missing girlfriend in post-apocalyptic Glendale, Glendale, California, just so we know. He's joined by a group of Mm -hmm. misfits, Angelica, and his former bully, Wesley. On the way, they'll face many weird things. But I'd say that's probably an accurate capturing of what we're doing I like it. It sounds sort of... Again, IMDb is, like, a little bit just, like, written by, like, random fools. But I love on the way they'll face many weird things because that sounds like I wrote that. I know. (laughs) I mean, I do wonder... It's, like... Anything that appears on IMDb other than just simply the person's name and the list of things they're in has a very, like, either it's written by AI or it's written by a 17-year-old quality to it. Like, yeah, um, yeah. and that is certainly one of them. Um, so this yeah. show, uh, similar to last week, was based on a series of comic books. Um, in this mm. case, also by the same name, Daybreak. Uh, that were produced or done by Brian Ralph um, between 2006 and 2011. Um, This show was barely kind of a blip on whatever radar. It only ever got one season on Netflix, um, which I remember... But but in fairness, because of the pandemic, I'm sure that could have affected it. 
Maybe, but like it was canceled in December of 2019. So it had just come oh, out. Okay. And then the announcement was oh, that okay. it wasn't going to have another one. And I remember that okay, like, <clears throat> I don't remember exactly when this was, but like, I remember that there was this kind of dust up. Because in the olden days, when Netflix first started doing original programming, the understanding was is that pretty much anything, any TV show got two seasons. Um, mm. And that was like a default setting that was kind of, on the one hand, probably because Netflix was trying to grow its market at that point, but also because mm-hmm. I think, and I think this is fair enough, like sometimes a show needs another season to kind of like, work itself out um a hundred percent and so i always quite liked that netflix used to do that that it was like yeah we'll give you two seasons to kind of find your footing if at that time it's still and not find working. your audience yeah yeah and especially i think now especially if they if that isn't the go-to model anymore which i don't think that it is because i remember yeah. There was like a kerfuffle online about this when they changed that policy. I almost mm-hmm. would say go back to it because now they're like losing subscribers and whatever. Like I'm like the part of the issue here now is you have you have so much content, so much, yeah. That it would be it might be hard for somebody to find a thing that they would like. Absolutely. Even even though you constantly recommend things that somebody might like. Um, well, and if it my, only has one season too, you might be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not, not going to bother that. Yeah. 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 So this, um, I also, so there's, because it's just this little blip, there's hardly any real information online about this show. Um, mm. I mean, unsurprisingly, there are some people who are pretty into it, but like, they're not really a community as such, um, because there's not really enough <laughs> to build upon. Yeah. Um, so there really isn't much more to say about like the backstory other than mm-hmm. that I thought it was kind of interesting that though it's set in Glendale, California most of the shooting happened in Albuquerque, New Mexico um, that is interesting although I feel like there is something apocalyptic looking about New Mexico <laughs> well um, it's very because, stark and deserty. yeah yeah so that's what we're dealing with here um, and then also, uh, the cast, especially for this episode, is relatively small because since this is the pilot, we're being introduced to all the primary uh, characters. And these are all pretty young people, so they don't really have much of a kind of, uh, what's the word, oeuvre or a set of works that they're known for at this point. Mm-hmm. Um Excuse me, I'm also eating my breakfast while we're doing this. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I'm eating breakfast at the lordly time of 10 past 10 in the morning. Um, so... It's 8 o'clock, my time. Yeah. The night before. I'm yeah. in the future. You're in the past. <laughs> you're you're um, eating breakfast the night before. Yeah, I've turned fully old lady. I'm eating breakfast the night before. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So the primary, or the protagonist is Josh Wheeler, played by 24-year-old Colin Ford, um, Mm -hmm. who I, and this will be a joke that comes up later, I really would have bought he was from Canada um, in real life, Uh but he is not, he's from Nashville, Tennessee. 
It's kind of the same. Canada and Nashville. Similar. <laughs> I mean, I also similarly would agree that someone from Tennessee might be more capable than I in a post-apocalyptic scenario. Um, and that's not only based on my knowledge of your husband, um, but just in general. Well, he specifically, well, he specifically would be because he does have, like, skills that mm-hmm. I don't possess. And, um, you know, he... I mean, we legit do have, like, a um, bucket of military, that weird military food. <laughs> and Wait, he got it. what? Like, rations? It. Well, it's, like, whatever that, you know, those, oh, like, survivalist military meals. Foods? Yeah, I don't know. They're, like, yeah, they're, like, those weird, <laughs> they're, like. Are they, like, little packets? Dehydrated. Yeah. I don't know it's, like, a okay. bucket of it. I've never, we've a never, bucket. I've never even. Why is it a it. bucket? It's just, like, in a bucket, but it's a bunch of them. Because, like, he bought, he he seriously bought those, like, maybe even at the beginning of 2020 when we really started to get worried. <laughs> like, oh, my God. He bought them. That was his yeah. one nod to society possibly unraveling was to get those. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Um, what I thought was interesting about this Colin Ford guy is, though I could have sworn I'd never seen him in my life um, mm-hmm. prior to now... He is quite a prolific child into adult actor. Uh, he really? already has 60 credits on IMDb. Whoa. And his very Did first one. Did he do one, voice work? No. Oh. I know. Hmm. Um, and his very first credit is as a, a little child in Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, cute. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I think I've he's seen supposed- that movie, but it's been far too long. No. I don't, I can't picture him in it, but um, in terms of his type of work, he does seem to end up quite a lot in these post-apocalyptic ideas because he did some appearances in Under the Dome and Supernatural. Um, What is Under the Dome? Is that like a flat earth thing? No, Under the Dome was something where it was like, and then they made fun of it in that Simpsons movie. Uh, it was like literally a biodome situation, but like oh. crisis scenario. Oh, oh. Um, but he's got a growing career. He's got four things in post right now, so we'll probably see more of him um, as time goes on. Um, and mm-hmm. what I learned is that there's some kind of upcoming. TV series about Jeffrey Dahmer, and he's in it. Not as Dahmer, but as somebody Does else. Does he play? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know I when was, I was, that's coming out, but I'd be curious to watch it. Yeah, for sure. Um, then we have the character Angelica Green, played by a 12-year-old Olivia Allen Lind. I think that's how you pronounce her name. She has some creative spellings going on. Um, yeah, that is interesting. And so she as well, like a lot of these people are, it's real child actor city right here. Um, Oh, wow. Interesting. I'm looking at her (laughs) credits and wow. Um, Yeah. She has quite a lot as well. Not as many as Colin Ford, obviously, but um, she has been, for example, on The Young and the Restless since she was three years old. Um, Does that, is that show still running? I, it looks like the credit ended at 2021, so it maybe ended her... Holy shit. Yeah. Um, wow, interesting. For you specifically, she played a young Dolly Parton in the 
Dolly Parton story, Coat of Many Colors. I love that. I have not seen that one, but I know of it. And she I and she that. does she reprises that role in a second. Like there's some follow up Coat of Many Colors thing where she plays young Dolly That's amazing. again. Um, I can also, picture that. Also for you, she appears in something called an American Girl story, which I didn't know they made shows to go along with those books. Is that a show or is yeah. that a movie? That sounds or, well, like some kind of I, probably TV movie style thing. Do you know who she played? She probably played like Kit or something. No, she played. It was something that I hadn't heard of because we're we've been out of the American oh. Girl game for a while. Um, I want to say her name was like Mary Ellen or Mary Beth or oh. something like that. Um, oh, weird. She also was in um, what sounds like a Lifetime movie called A Deadly Adoption as a Child. Love that. Indeed. <laughs> um, probably, did you say? Did you say a Lifetime movie? I think so. I yeah, have to assume so. And, sh- and also, she's got some upcoming work, including, and this is another thing I'm interested to see whenever it shows up, wherever it shows up. Um, apparently, there's a Chucky TV series that's being Chucky created. as in Nadal Chucky? Correct. Well, I love that, too. I know. Um, Can't wait, we Dahmer, ha- Chucky. What else have we got? All kinds of interesting stuff. Um, <laughs> then we have uh, Samira Sam Dean, played by a 22-year-old Sophie Simnet. Um, she's an English actress um, who, it seems like, again, is more of a child star who's like transitioning into adult roles. Um, she apparently was a series regular on a Disney show called The Lodge, which, of course, mm. I have never heard of and have no term of reference for. Um, no. More recently, she's been in something that, again, sounds like it would appeal to you called Last Train to Christmas. Um, Love it. Yes. And she was in, this sounded kind of intriguing to me. She was in um, a thing called Twist, which was a modern rendering of the Oliver Twist story. Um, Hmm. Which, I mean, I'm not sure I would ever watch it because even just the musical version of Oliver really bums me out because of, like... How tough Dickensian-style oh, poverty is. Oh, uh, yeah. That's fair. So I, I don't know that I could like watch... I was about to be mad. Yeah, I don't know that I could watch, like, a modern version of that, because I think it would be even more sad, but um, yeah. she's in it. And then okay. finally, we have a character called Wesley Fists, who is played by a 24-year-old Austin Crute, who graduated from NYU in 2018... Um, and in fact, it seemed from his bio that he's both like pursuing a recording career and an acting career. Um, Mm. uh, I know I, even though I've watched the movie Booksmart a number of times, I couldn't really remember what he was (laughs) in that movie, but apparently he also at the same time looked familiar to me, but I wasn't sure where I was recognizing him from. Yeah, and so I would say he looks like he's right kind of on a burgeoning kind of career tra- uh, mm-hmm. trajectory. But probably the reason why it's harder to tell with him is his career is shorter than these other people, even though he's, yeah like, one of the older ones. Um, well, but he, he didn't, didn't do child like acting. He went to, like, a... Right, he went to a traditional... He did, like, traditional, like, school and, you know... yeah. Um, and there will also be 
Um, a delightful cameo by Matthew Broderick as we move along in this mm -hmm. uh, situation. And so that's it. That's all we need to know as we move into the story of Josh Wheeler and his post-apocalyptic uh, life. So this show was, in, in all fairness and transparency, Netflix did recommend this show to me. Um, and I guess it was bound to be... A sh so I'll just say, like, I liked it. I'll say it now before we go on further, but... Um, one of the ways it seemed to like know its audience in a sense was that the very first sounds that we hear are California Love by Tupac Shakur as we watch aerial shots of Los Angeles in various ways. Um, and <laughs> do you like that song? I do like that song. It's an excellent song. Okay. Um, and, you know, I guess what we're supposed to get and I like this about the show because it is uh, I think identified as like a dramatic comedy um, mm -hmm. or a horror comedy is like the comedy part and the lightness is really essential to my mind to like the watchability of this show like uh, if like yeah. if it were there were some very funny moments right and to me this is already like setting it up because it's like, oh, we're starting in this lighthearted, like fun, like jam of a song. We're getting mm -hmm. this. And so you're getting like, oh, this is what we're expecting. It's very like luxurious LA kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Chiron that says Glendale. And then we start in a classroom. Well, actually, we start first by seeing good old Principal Burr. That's Matthew Broderick uh, doing the morning <laughs> announcements. Um, and then we go into a classroom where attendance is being taken. Um, and already, I mean, I liked, I think basically the first joke is that there's like 19 Jadens in a class of 24. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and then we get to Josh who breaks the fourth wall, um, which is of course, we've got like already quite like Ferris Bueller vibes happening here. Mm -hmm. Um, which... I do, admittedly, much like I like flashbacks, which are also in this show, um, <laughs> I do like the breaking of the fourth wall device. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I guess when used sparingly, I think sometimes uh, it gets kind of, uh, turns into like a yeah. stick. Yeah, I mean, and it, yeah, it has to be, it also sometimes doesn't make sense in a certain genre like I think sure. it works in this genre but like for example in like Saved by the Bell oh, it made right. no sense when Zach would do that <laughs> like I loved it but it made no sense yeah like why was he the only one who was allowed to speak to Cam? he like stopped time yeah it was weird. oh that's like, right just he because, could was that show about yeah, magic he was, was Saved by the Bell about magic is Saved by the Bell sci-fi? Should we do an episode? <laughs> um, and no, but he would, like, stop time, and the, but it was just, like, I get it. It was, like, a goofy show. Nobody cares. But, like, right. it didn't really make sense with the rest of the show. I think probably, probably what someone would say at the time is, like, it was trying to get that Ferris Bueller vibe. Like, he was trying to be that yeah. too cool for school kid. Um, yeah, and he was trying to, like, I think, like, relate to the at-home audience. Like, they wanted right. to, like, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it worked, but yeah, still. it was it, also I, it works better in this. Yeah, it was strange. For it sure. works better in something like this. Yes. Yeah, where you have to have like he's doing a lot of the exposition work, especially in this episode, to like catch yeah. the audience up and let you know what happened. And there was a really good, um, like set piece or effect here where he's standing up and he's talking to you in class and then the background shifts behind him and then it's like the totally gutted out school classroom building after the apocalypse yeah. has come. Yeah. And I thought that was a really clever like thing to do. I liked that. And what he mm-hmm. finishes up saying in his little spiel is that like now that the apocalypse is here, he loves it. And he's having like the best time in the world. And then we do a smash cut to see why that's so because he's staying in this house that's like full. It is like the house of the imagination of any 18 year old where it's like got like just piles of stuff around. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. Accumulated. Well, it's interesting because I, okay. If I were in this world where the apocalypse apocalypse happened in the L.A. area and I knew (laughs) that there might be some celebrity houses that are now not occupied. Available, yeah. I I would move into them. Yeah. For sure. And that's what he does. I think he said he found some, like, house that was, like, I don't think he actually said these words, but it was implied it was like a drug lord or something. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he's got, but then he's got like piles of stuff. And I think there are even little like bubbles that pop up that identify certain cool things he's collected over the time. Is there not there. a part? Yeah. Is there not a part where they show like the map, like a new map of like what stuff is? And like one of the areas is called Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> Am I crazy? Did I remember? No, you're okay. correct. You're correct. Okay. Um, so he's got this spot, and this is when we learn the issue, which I started with, which is that everyone over the age of 18, now this is sobering, either turned into goo, goo. or, yeah. So apparently some people just like, that. I don't know, like liquefied when this blast Yikes. came, which is, I hope... I know we've talked a bit about, like, what death would you want. I think liquefaction is possibly the very bottom of my list. Well, I would have lots of questions. Like, what liquefies first? Like, if my feet liquefy (laughs) first and I have to, like, watch myself melt, like, the Wicked Witch of the West, like, no thank you. (laughs) But if... but if like my head liquefies first and like or it just like I explode into liquid and I don't feel it as much like right. maybe that's okay. If it's all simultaneous then probably it's okay. Yeah. Um so either you turn into goo and I guess are dead. Wow, I didn't. Um or you turn into a ghoulie. Um <laughs> which uh are basically effectively zombies if people want to picture yeah. what they look like out there that's what they look like. And what we also learn is that ghoulies appear basically normal and are talking, in fact, but they're only ever saying, like, the last thing that they were thinking before the blast happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, That's so, like, when he's saying that, then we catch, like, we hear a little clip from one woman who's like, 
book is really um, just a place to uh, exacerbate poor feelings, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. Um, and then later on, a different woman is saying something about how she's going to get like leggings at the Lululemon sale, you know, like stuff like that. <laughs> that was my favorite. I loved that lady. That was funny. Um, so then, um, we were following Josh around on what I guess might be a typical day for him in the apocalypse. Um, he finds a sword. He names it Sam. There's a reason for that that we will learn later. Uh, by the evening, he returns to the house that he's been staying in it only to discover that it has been broken into by what? I forget. I don't remember. Was that, was this? A massive mutant remember. pug. Pug? Mm-hmm. Why do I? They're deaf. Okay, I will, full disclosure, as always, I may have checked out at certain at your points. phone. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, working, like, trying to, like, do kill two birds with one stone. But, uh, wait, a, a pug? Yeah, so apparently when this blast goes off, it, you know, kills a lot of people, mutates a lot of people, leaves some people alone. In terms of animals, apparently they all get mutated. And so this pug is like the size of the garage, basically. It looks like it's busted oh into God. the garage and is like just going to town on all the food he's stored up. <laughs> mm. And so he's basically like, okay, well, I, now this, like, location is compromised. I've got to find a new house. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then he's walking around the city streets of Glendale. This is where we get more information that the bomb goes off, had gone off six months ago. And this is, as you said, where he shows a map of the area and how each clique of high school kids has basically created a tribe um, and then corresponding territory. And one of them is like the, the Knights of Kardashian or something like that. <laughs> um, but there's pretty I, funny. There's also one that's like organized around like 4-H club and like <laughs> other stuff. Um, and most importantly, uh, quite a lot of territory is controlled by the jocks who we will be introduced of course. to shortly. So, like, I I will say, even though I just said that I, like, didn't pay attention that great the whole time, the concept of this show is great, I think. Yeah. Like, whether you even like sci-fi or not, I, I, I do love the concept of this show overall. Well, and I think what's kind of interesting about it is, in a world where everyone who's not in high school no longer exists... Um, mm-hmm. then it would make sense that if it's just high schoolers who are left, that those high social hierarchies rules. and stuff would continue because yeah. the whole point of like the rest of your life after high school is like maturing away from that. But like, right. If you and people have, teaching you, oh, this is kind of bullshit. Right. Or just like being like, I don't need to care about this anymore. I can care about other things. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. But when that isn't happening, then, of course, rules apply as before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And much like in high school, there were always loners and kind of solitary types, and Josh is one of those. He does not want mm-hmm. to join 
any of these cliques, any of these tribes. Um, and it seems like, unlike in other kind of versions of this that we've seen, perhaps, um, it doesn't seem like the tribes really care if he operates on his own. Like, they're not trying mm-hmm. necessarily to recruit him in any way. Um, mm-hmm. But it does seem to matter, like, to do that, you can't ruffle the feathers of any of these other groups. Um, yeah. And so he's been keeping a low profile, I guess, in a sense, over these six months. Um, and as he's, mm-hmm. like, explaining that, we hear a person scream, which draws our attention to a church, which um, Josh is like, oh, maybe a church would be a good place to live. Um, but unfortunately, a group of jocks has already claimed the church as their own. And more surprising still, the group of jocks that we see when we enter the church threatening some, there's somebody that appears to be a girl, a blonde girl Mm -hmm. in a box. And who is tormenting her? The golf team. (laughs) <laughs> they do seem like you know here's what I, i'm gonna i'm gonna uh get ready because here's my hot take oh boy the the golf team seems like they would be um like maybe in the jock world like the nerdy jocks if that makes sense oh for sure for sure but from my but from my perspective they're like the biggest dicks <laughs> Well, they certainly I, would have the potential for that, too. Here's my actual hot take. I hate everyone who plays the sport of golf. Um, <laughs> you mean, like, that. professionally? Or do you mean, like... Because, like, our family Every, members are really into golf. I hate them. <laughs> okay. No. Wow. Um, uh, you heard it here first, fam. Um, <laughs> Amy is not coming to Christmas this year because she hates you. I really don't like people. Okay. Let me just a little, nobody cares, but like a little explanation. I sure. worked at a country club. Oh, for right. A I forgot you did that. And it really soured my opinion on all golfers. <laughs> and so I, I recognize that that's, um, not fair and definitely a huge generalization. So I, c- I could amend it to all the people I knew who played golf at that particular country club, but mm. some of our family also played there too. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that would include that some of them true. too. But yes, I'm sorry. I don't, I, I think it's pretentious. And that's I think the people enough. who play it are generally pretentious. Well, and I think what this version, who, by the way, everyone on the golf team is named Terry, Jerry, Larry, Gary, and Barry. That's the golf team. I do love that. That's Um, Like, it just, I think this version of a golf team, I think, rings true in some senses, which is they absolutely want to capitalize on the status that goes along with being a jock. Well, at the same time, they aren't really that. They are not the people that are getting girls because of sports. They are not the people who are, like, treated as, like, gods of the school because of what they do. No, because no one's going to the golf matches that take 300 years. Not a soul goes to that. And they're they're not even on school property, one would imagine. No. And the whole thing is, is, like, 
Perhaps the golf team, or any other kind of team, might be really, really good. But no one fucking knows, because no one fucking goes to that. And all anyone goes to is the football games, the basketball games, the baseball games. Um, And so we don't know if this golf team... And, like, that's kind of it. (laughs) Yeah, we don't know if this golf team was any good or not. Um, But you would have a chip on your shoulder, especially if you're like, we win championships every year and not a single person comes, you know. So it's capturing those damn football games... Yeah, and you go to and those to watch football games where those bozos to never... Watch exactly. Lose. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, it's, to me, if that's the scenario that we're setting up here for this golf team, it makes complete sense that they would, in this new paradigm, where now they find themselves kind of top rung, um, mm-hmm. but still not super the top rung. Um, that they would, yeah. you, like, they're, they're the kind of person who, you know, this person... They would abuse their power. Right. It's the person in high school who was a nerd and then later on in life decides they're going to become a Marine or a cop or something. And, <laughs> like, you're like that. I hope Look out that. for those people. It's true. And sometimes those people, when they try and go into the military, especially the military psychological exam, like, weeds them out. It's like, nope, you are not for this Yikes. but weirdly there's always space for them on a police force it seems um mm-hmm. well, but that no that's my hot take of the day um yeah. so anyway golfers suck <laughs> we hate you i hate you um strong words coming from amy walsh <laughs> uh so the golf team is tormenting this girl in a box josh finds them he because he sees like a flash of blonde hair um, and we don't totally know this yet, but he's on the lookout for his girlfriend, Sam, who has blonde hair. And so he's like, mm-hmm. let that girl out of that box. And they're like, no, we won't fucking do it. And he's like, well, I've got a really good origin story. And then the captain of the golf team, Terry, is like, well, why don't you tell it? We haven't heard any new stories in a while. Um, or I think he, does he even say something like we haven't seen TikTok in a while? Like there's something where it's like, oh, I forget. Uh, but he says something like that, and so it's like, yeah, tell us this story, and if it's good enough, you'll live, basically. So mm-hmm. then we get our first flashback of the episode where Josh is in Principal Burr's office, and this is like quite a long little monologue that Matthew Broderick is doing. All about walnuts, um, <laughs> for some reason. Um, and this is when we learn that Josh has arrived recently from Canada. Uh, and I guess the reason Principal Burr is talking about walnuts is because he ultimately is like trying to say that like this is going to be a tough transition, but you'll make it through. And then, and this is important for later. Um, I think Josh like tries to pick one up and crack it or something, and mm-hmm. Principal Burr is like, "Oh no, no, that's not a real walnut." Um, he's like, "No, there are too many students with a nut allergy. Um, some of whom, if they <laughs> simply like breathed in this room after you cracked that, would like fall apart immediately." And then he gives this list of names of students who are highly allergic. Okay, to nuts. here's what I have to say about that. Um, is this another hot take about people with nut allergies being terrible? (laughs) 
<laughs> kind of. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there is a pretty funny, I've heard a funny, uh, like, stand-up set where someone talks about, like, if smelling a nut or if, like, touching a nut makes you die, maybe you should die. Um, oh, boy. So, but... <laughs> but that's not your that's hot pretty, take. That's just that's like what someone That's not my hot said. take. That's like that's a that's a stand up skit. I won't even say who does it because that person is now controversial. But it's pretty funny. What I will say is, I think in the context of an apocalypse, like we were saying before about right. like the fact that we're healthy, right. not being allergic. We don't to have things, allergies. I think would be key. Either. Yeah, yeah. I think because the if you're if you're so allergic to a nut that touching one or breathing one is going to kill you, I think you're going to die in an apocalypse. If you need a regular medication, like if you need to take something yeah. every day. That's a good point, too. Fuck. That's like, ooh, some people are screwed. Like, I might be in trouble because I need to wear glasses. I Like, here's the thing. I'm realizing more and more, like, let me go back to the beginning and <laughs> change my answer. I think I would rule do great <laughs> because i don't do medicine i don't have yeah. glasses i don't have yeah. any allergies that i'm aware of like i'm pretty solid yeah you thought you didn't have covid for all that long time and you thought you were like a superhuman i didn't get covid for like two and a half years so <laughs> basically superhuman indeed um and so yeah and especially in nut allergy does seem to be one of those things that, like, is like, oh, aren't you a precious little gem? Um, but at the same and time... she's like... I know that they are really intense, and that is, like, right. I don't know if... Like, it's almost always when you're allergic to nuts, it's, like, really intense like this. Yeah. Like, I don't... And I don't know why, what the deal is with that, but, like... Yeah. Yeah. So, th- but this little... Drop of a hint will be important for later. So I'm just saying it mm-hmm. now. We get back mm-hmm. to the church and the golf team are like, this is the world's most boring ass story. We don't want to continue <laughs> with this hearing about nuts. But what they are interested to learn is that Josh is Canadian. And because they, they ask him, I forget what, but there's something where they're like, how come you know how to do all this stuff? And then there's like a quick close-up into his face because he's like, I'm Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which, having known various Canadian friends, um, I think that checks out. I do certainly imagine that the average Canadian is more, like, capable than the average American. Um, Okay, do you think do you think they're more capable or are they more stuck up? <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just a different world, but I like no, but like, I get it. Like there there's a there's a superiority complex that comes with being Canadian, I think, right? Because you're like, hey, I'm not you shitty Americans. Part of and that I is do that, get yeah. that. But I do I'm get saying, that. And I no, think it's gotten what, more. No, what I'm saying is more that like I think of Canada as just a giant Minnesota. And yeah. And that means cabins and that means cold and that means like yeah. harsh weather and needing to like yeah. learn how to navigate that. And so that's yeah. what I mean is like every can like for for example, I think every Canadian knows how to use an axe to chop wood. 
I don't think that's actually true, but in my mind, it's I true. don't. Yeah, I really doubt it. I would say I would say Canadians specifically that live in like Manitoba or you know the the cold Saskatchewan. Alberta, I think it's cold <laughs> yeah. Saskatchewan, like Nova Scotia, like all those cold ones, all those all those mfers that live in like British Columbia. I'm not as convinced because like it's pretty <laughs> chill there, but <laughs> like. But, like, more than half of Canada is literally an Arctic wasteland, so... um, But people don't live there. (laughs) People don't live there. Um, But so anyway, when they learn of Josh's abilities, uh, (laughs) Terry is like, great, you're our slave now. And then, um, and he says slave. And then I think it's, oh, yeah, it's Barry. Barry is the black member of the golf team, he's like, I'm not comfortable with the use of that word. <laughs> and so Fair. then they change it to some other thing, which is really equally nuts. It's like something like servant without a choice or something. <laughs> like, um, And he turns to Barry, like Terry turns to Barry and he's like, are you all right with that? And he's like, yeah, I guess it's fine. You know, like, um, of course, Josh is like, I shan't be doing that. Um, and then we get a different flashback. He's like, let me just finish this story and then you may change your mind. Um, we get another flashback. The time in the principal's office is coming to an end because Josh is introduced to his now, will soon learn love of his life, Sam. And I'm pretty sure she comes in and it's slow motion. Um, and yeah, I can't I feel remember. Like I remember that. I don't think Dream Reaver was playing, but something like that, I think, was the soundtrack. Something like that, yeah. That went alongside it. Yeah. And you immediately see this puppy dog face on Josh, which um, I think is really funny in part because, like, that is what happens to young men when they see somebody that they like. Is this, like, I've seen it, like, in real life, you know? And you're like... Yeah, it's, and I, well, and this is the thing, is like, is that what people do because they've seen it in movies so much that then they, they're, like, trained into doing it? Or uh-huh. is this something that the movies have captured that is some, that is a real way that people react and that, and is, and are That's people silly because this is a weird, <laughs> like, this is funny to see. Um, but it's precisely that. And so you can tell right away he's in love with her. Um, and then we go out into the hall at school and Sam is explaining on the one hand, like her own backstory, but also like the lay of the land in terms of the different cliques in this school. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn that she is, I mean, she's got a British accent and she says that she is British, but she grew up in India and then her mom moved uh to LA um and apparently the role that she plays in the school which principal Burr apparently knows about this in some capacity I don't fully get it um is that she helps new kids find their click um that's her like unique talent apparently Hmm. and so then we return to the church in the present the golf team is like, you think that's a good story? Gay. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you like a girl? That's the gayest thing you could do in the world. Um, 
Besides play golf. Boom. Right. Indeed. Good one. Um, so then Josh gets even more like, let that girl out of that box. I guess he still is thinking that it's possibly Sam. They refuse to do it. That's when Josh takes out his sword. And I don't remember precisely what happens, but basically he swings the sword at Terry, the team captain. And I guess what Terry's doing is trying to do a defensive, you know, like where defensive wounds come from. He like pulls, moves his hand Mm -hmm. kind of to push the sword out of the way. And then what happens? Oh, wait. Do you remember Wait, say that again? So, like, Josh swings the sword. Terry tries to, like, bat it away with his hand. And so then what happens? Oh, yeah. So the sword gets stuck in the side of his hand. Yes. Um, Very graphically. And see, this is... Yeah, this part I had to look away, even though, like yeah. I said, like I said before, like I love horror, I love all that stuff, but like I couldn't watch that. That grossed me out. Yeah, I was not expecting to see a close up of it, and when they did, I was like, ah! <laughs> like I, yeah, I, and I, didn't I, really, I thought it. he was gonna get, I thought he was just gonna get his middle finger chopped clean off, right? And then it got grosser than that. Yeah, um, and I guess. Though I didn't enjoy seeing this, what I like about the take on violence that this show seems to do is um, rather than like necessarily people being like, I'm going to cut their head off, swipe, and then it's off. I'm going to do this thing, yeah. blow up, you're boom, you're gone. This is like, I'm like, this yeah. is what actual violence is like. Like, um, Yeah, it's messy. You don't, you don't actually know how to use this sword, so you actually don't have the proper like technique or strength in your arm because somebody probably could have cut off this guy's hand with that sword but you didn't so it's gotten lodged in the bone of his hand you know like um and this person who's fighting you is reacting with their natural inclination because probably all any of us if something's whipping at your head you're going to take your hand to try and bat it away but if you're actually trained right. in sword fighting, you would never do that because it's like that's what's going to happen. Your hand is not the same as a sword. Like, um, right. so anyway, that's gross. Terry starts screaming bloody murder, which of course he would. Um, the rest of the team is shocked, um, and so then there's like this kind of tussling happening, and that allows the girl who's been in the box to escape and it turns out it is not Sam but rather this little girl Angelica who Josh already has met in the pre-apocalyptic world he's babysat her a number of times and he's like she's a pyromaniac (laughs) um and she's nuts uh she reminds me of at least one of the children we once babysat for I guess in that sense Um, not that we ever had a pyromaniac, but just like when you, when you would babysit those kids where like eventually you'd be like, I don't want to babysit that one anymore. Like, that's a Oh my God. Wait a second. I'm sorry. Which of the kids that I babysat did that not turn out to be? That's true. That's true. There were some that were clearly worse, but like I got to a point where I was just like, I don't want to do this with any of you. <laughs> yeah, I gave up babysitting eventually as well. But there were there were always certain children that were like, are you truly the spawn of Satan? 
I can't deal oh, with this. Oh, a billion percent. Um, oh my god. And uh, apparently Angelica, names, we all yeah. Know. And Angelica was a child of that ilk from what I inferred. That from makes the way. sense. Um, I feel like if your name is Angelica, it's kind of Oh, of course. That, yeah, like, yeah. You're going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um so in the process of this weird fight, Josh tells the captain of the golf team, Terry, that he had been using this sword to break peanuts. And then Terry's like, wait, what? And it turns out that in that flashback where Principal Burr was talking about kids with nut allergies, Terry was one of the kids whose names got mentioned. And so that's... Booyah. Yeah, so that's showing this capability that Josh has, this, like how he's managed to survive and like put things together. So because mm-hmm. of this peanut allergy potential, the, the team is freaking out because they're like, now we've got to deal with Terry being sick, so go ahead, get out of here. Josh and Angelica leave the church only to find an, an ominous street ninja standing outside it. <laughs> Um, and when he kind of like removes his hat, we see that it is the character Wesley Fists, who again, we get an immediate flashback to learn that Wesley, um, was one of Josh's bullies in the olden days. Um, but, uh, specifically this is another, I mean, the humor in this is really funny because like in the flashback. Um, Wesley and his buddy Hoyles are talking about guns versus swords. Wesley is a big mm-hmm. sword fanatic. That's, I think, presumably why he's become a ninja now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he talks about various ninja movies and Gymkata and like all this stuff. <laughs> and, and so then the three of them, Josh, Wesley, and Hoyles are talking about guns versus, uh, swords. And Principal Burr comes over and he's like... I sure hope that what we're not doing is talking about guns because I sure hope um, I don't have to theoretically then write a report about how you are talking about guns. And then I sure hope that you wouldn't theoretically end up on a watch list, you know, that would then theoretically ruin the rest of your lives if you were talking about guns in this hall. You know? <laughs> and um, so they're like, okay, we'll stop doing this conversation right now. Um and then uh, as uh, Josh is trying to leave, uh, Wesley's friend Hoyle trips him in the hall. So, like, we can see that... And there, in subsequent ep- episodes, we see that Wesley has been um, a bully in his own right to some degree, but also, like, the person who stands next to his friend who's bullying someone as well. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not... I would say, based on some other episodes, he's not as bad as his friend's. But he doesn't mm-hmm. stop his friends from doing anything either. So, okay. in the present, when we return to the street, Wesley says, like, um, I know I was a dickhead uh, in the kind of olden days, so now I'm a pacifist, and I'm doing that as atonement <laughs> for my bad behavior. And he also is like, mm-hmm. oh, are you looking for Sam? Sam's at the mall. Someone saw her there. And Josh is like, okay, great. I'm going to go to the mall. Um, see you guys never. And Angelica and Wesley are like, wait, what? Like, um, in the meantime, the golf team has recovered a bit 
and they send up like a what's the word a smoke signal or like um, a flare a flare is the right word um, they have a flare mm-hmm. gun that they like put off into the sky and this brings us we're finally like introduced to the entirety of the jock scenario that exists in this world where we go to like what appears to be the old football field the jocks mm-hmm. are all sitting on bleachers watching something they've called American Ninja Idol. Um, I love that. I don't want to be a part of this show. Is what I. I don't want to be say. a part of it, but I like I like the mix of like American Idol and American Ninja War American Ninja Warrior or whatever. Right. Well, because yeah, so like on the top, it's like this group of kids who are being forced to sing songs on a bandstand. <laughs> And if they don't do well, the, the bandstand floor, like, drops and they get dropped into a cage to fight each other. Um, I mean, it's kind of hilarious. The thing about... I'm surprised we're not already there in American well, I was cultural just, I production. was just going to say, I was just going to say, like, it's hilarious, but it's also, like, kind of scary because it's, like, so close to being true. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're not I far can, off. Yeah. Um, not at all. So... As that's happening, they see the flare that the golf team sends up, and so then they're out on the prowl. We were t- then we're following Josh, Angelica, and Wesley through town, and they arrive at this sort of nondescript apartment complex, which they realize is actually Josh's former real-life home from pre-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And it's now mm-hmm. where he has like kind of used as his like storage bunker. Um, and place of safety. Um, and then when they get into the apartment, um, we see a bit of a flashback montage of Sam and Josh getting closer to each other because I guess now Josh is explaining his story to Angelica and Wesley. Mm-hmm. Um, and no sooner do we see that like they seem to really be hitting it off then we're back, jogged back into the present. And I will say as well, there, there were some really cool, um, like, shtick and stuff about jumping from past to present, like cool camera shots mm-hmm. and in- interesting, mm-hmm. like, fade outs and, like, object fades and stuff, which I quite liked. So then we're back in the present, and the jocks have figured out where Josh, Wesley, and Angelica are. This is also when we learn that the jocks have been, quote-unquote, united under Turbo. Um, Turbo is the top jock, um, who we see briefly in the before times, but we see a lot more in the after times, and it's a ve- the jocks are very Mad Max in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, they've taken all of their football pads and turned them into, like... Um, outerwear, I guess, armor, mm-hmm. might be another way to say it. And Turbo is in all black, and he's got a big, like, it's a modified, because, like, football helmets don't have a face cover. Hockey masks do. Right. I guess, it, I guess it's right. a goalie hockey mask that he has painted black, and it has the number one in yellow on it. Um, mm-hmm. And I also noticed that he's got a big necklace on in this scene. He's got a big necklace made out of all the tops of trophies. 
like all the little figurines. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah. And so they're like, well, Josh, like Angelica and Wesley think that they should all team up. And Josh is like, no, my whole thing is I'm finding Sam and that's all I care about. And they're like, well, we need to be a team right now at the very least because now these jocks are all circling and what are we meant to do? And he's like, okay, well, we can at least stick together um, while we take care of this jock problem. Um, and because they're in his house where he's been storing up all of this stuff, apparently one of the things he did straight away was um, getting blood from like blood banks and things. Pretty um, smart, I guess. Yeah, very smart. And apparently he's got enough of it to like fill up balloons and dump out buckets right. of it. Because um, then they fight the uh, jocks by just throwing blood at them, which is a weird choice. That is disgusting. <laughs> um, I mean, it seems to work. People don't seem to like being hit in the face with blood. So, yeah. Um, but it doesn't, what really ultimately ends this confrontation is that um, because there are this many people kind of out and about on the streets of Glendale, the ghoulies end up showing up. Because I, it does seem like the ghoulies have a taste for human flesh. Um, yeah. And so the ghoulies come, and that basically runs the jocks off um, away from them. And so then Wesley, uh, Angelica, and Josh are like, I guess Josh accepts that he'll have them as part of his group. And they, are he they want to head to the mall because that's where Sam is. Um, but they're going to they know that for sure. They, I guess Wesley knows that he saw her there once semi recently, but they don't know hmm. that she's still there, but that's where Josh wants to go. And so, okay. um, Josh is like, okay, well the, the goo, not the ghoulies, the jocks are going to be still after me. So I'll draw them away. Well, you go to the mall, and then I'll find my way back to you guys at the mall. And they're like, are you sure? And mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The final scenes of this show are, we then do another flashback. And this is the reason why Josh is so committed to finding Sam, even though it's been six months. Because on the day the bomb drops, Sam and Josh were supposed to meet at what appears to be a football game. Um, mm -hmm. But he, like, hesitates outside of the stadium and then the bomb goes off and then there's chaos of course going on around that and he tries to call Sam and he gets through just barely and says I'll find you I'll find you and then the call goes dead so mm -hmm. um that's why he's so committed to this line of um action right that he's he hmm. feels like it's the last promise he ever made. Um, and so we return to the present, to the mall. They I all... feel like once the apocalypse hits, like, all promises are off. <laughs> I mean, it's a definite, I like, mean, I respect... the apocalypse hits, you're divorced. The apocalypse hits, you're not my kid anymore. The apocalypse hits, <laughs> I, I don't have any debt anymore. The apocalypse hits... Um, like, yeah, any pre prior life you had is over. Like, well, especially yeah. something like a promise like that. Well, well, yes. And I didn't even necessarily mean quite that dramatic, but like, 
a promise like that in particular, like, I, I promise I'll find you, I get it. And it's, you know, in the, I will say in the apocalypse to have a goal might help, like, with yes. any of, like, the it mental gives you purpose. problems. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. otherwise, but what is every day for? You just sit there and are like, wow, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, or, so, like, you do the so same I, thing every day of, like, today. Yeah, now so I, I get food. it. Yeah, so I get it, but also don't let that bog you down if you can't find this person. Sure, 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 sure. Um, so the final scene, uh, we return to the mall. We're outside the mall. All three of them rejoin back up. But they're like, how come the jocks didn't follow you? It's weirdly quiet around here. And then Mm -hmm. a mysterious person on a motorcycle shows up and we learn that there is a person who's calling themselves Baron Von Triumph, who has effectively taken over the mall and even the jocks are afraid of this person and we are wait. and the final scene is we're waiting for the reveal of who that is and that's it. And that's how they get you. That's how they get you. That's how <laughs> you're going to watch that next episode. Because it, first of all, it's coming up in five seconds. Right. And you have yeah, no Netflix choice. Yeah, Netflix doesn't even give you a chance <laughs> to turn it off. You have no chance. You are watching that whole thing. So I did um, I did maintain restraint and not continue watching. Though I was like, oh, who the hell is that? Um, well, yeah. I did watch. I didn't watch more that very evening when I watched. But I have watched subsequently. Um, and I think the second episode is even called, like the title of the episode might be called schmuck bait because I hadn't heard that term before, but that thing of like making it seem like one character is there, but really you'll get a reveal that it was somebody else entirely is called Uh, schmuck bait. Like clickbait, but of schmucks. Yeah. Like, um, like when you at the end of a season and it seems like a main character has died and then when you get back to the first episode of the new season and they're like no it was just a guy who looked like that other guy yeah yeah that yeah yeah that uh device is called schmuck bait hmm so that's something to know for future um okay all right so yawns and eye rolls as always yawns will come first um, one yawn is, uh, this was totally for me and I paid attention and I liked it. Well, maybe let's not say liked it. I paid attention. I was in there. Um, uh-huh. and then 10 yawns is like, I just could not get there. What would you get? Yeah. At? I would say probably like a two. I was into it. Like, I mean, there's always a little bit of room for improvement for me, like, to get me fully attentive. But, like, I I thought it was very clever and engaging. Yeah, and I would go full one. Um, I really was Mm -hmm. committed and engaged in this from start to finish, Um, which I think is actually saying something considering how much, like, zombie apocalypse material there has been over the past few years. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the fact that I thought well, this, this was is, like, it has a nice little twist to it. Like it's got, it's a little bit more 
original and interesting than yeah. even, you know, it's got a little, it's got a little something that gives it an edge. Yeah. I think the teen thing is part of that. And then also like the irreverent yeah. lightness of it yeah. is part of yeah. it as well. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is, um, I was along for the ride in this show. I bought into the world and 10 eye rolls is like really absolutely not. I couldn't care less about what's happening here. Um, I think I might do two again because like mm. I pretty much bought it. Um, and I like, I, <laughs> I, I do believe personally that something of an apocalyptic nature could happen. Mm, so sure. I don't think it's, so crazy i mean it it is it is but it's yeah i was i bought it i thought this world was believable even as like out there as it is yeah no same here i thought it i guess i would maybe also give it like a two-ish um because like i was saying before i think especially where the violence could go kind of full bore nuts mm-hmm. um and it is gross it's definitely gross um but i think it's gross because it captures something closer to reality than feels mm-hmm. comfortable for me mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. i quite liked that as well so finally i mean i think i know the answer to this but did you like this and would you recommend it uh yeah i did and i would and even though it's definitely one of the ones where I would strongly consider going back to and like revisiting and actually watching it for real. Um, and that is few and rare. far between on this <laughs> Very show. rare indeed. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know that I will just because I say that a lot and then like I have problems. There's a like, lot, concentrating a lot to keep on top of what to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I did like it, and it's easy, accessible to watch. It's on Netflix. It's only yeah. one season, even though, like, I'm sorry. Sometimes that it's that's a downside. Yeah, sometimes yeah. that's a downside for some people. Um, and but it, if you're I looking think, for something quick that you can finish quickly, like, this yeah. probably and would be it. Yeah, and I think each episode is about 45 minutes, you know, so okay. that's good for knowing that. Like, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it, and I'd recommend it as well. Um, I think it's clever. I think it's well done. Um, and particularly so, as I said, in the context of having really glutted the situation of a zombie and or apocalypse theme at this point, we really, mm-hmm. in many ways, like kind of, I thought there was kind of no more to explore, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. And this still manages to feel interesting and fun, and adding Mm -hmm. some new stuff um so I enjoyed that and so I guess it's an Mm all-around four thumbs up from us yeah give it a watch and Mm -hmm. uh thank you Amy I am Sarah and we will see you next week in space thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of see you next week in space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.